Welcome to Myth First Reality, an educational podcast with Hamish Brewer and Andy Jacks. Join us as we have fun deciding what are the myths and what are the realities in education today. We're excited to bring you a fresh and innovative look at some of the hot topics educators and school leaders are facing right now. So sit back, enjoy the show, and let us know what you think. All right, Hamish, what's on the board today, my man? Hey, it's good to be back. We took a little bit of a break with holidays and everything else, but it's exciting to be back and on the big board today. We've got topic number one, COVID tests should be available in schools, all schools. Topic two, the dress code, should it stay general? Topic three, sports should emphasize sportsmanship more. And topic number four, this is a hot one, salary increases will help teachers stay in the field. And as usual, stay tuned for the last two quick hits that are always fun. Let's go. All right, topic number one. And, and before I even get on this, this is a very timely topic because this one is myth or reality. COVID tests should be available in every school. And part of the reason we had a little bit of a break is because I had a sinus infection and I couldn't speak. I think I lost my voice completely. And uh, it was just sort of a reminder of the uh, realities of uh, sicknesses in our world. And uh, so I did a COVID test. And at our school, at our school division, we're very fortunate to have a COVID test available for our staff. And uh, it was an experience. So, Hamish, I don't know if you've done the COVID test like this and, and the new ones, especially where you go online, they watch you do the whole thing because it's like this digital version. You take and you, you go up your nose and you do the whole swab and, and you put it down on the thing. And it looks like a pregnancy test where it's one line is uh, just is sort of there. That it's what they call the, the you know, constant or whatever. And then the next line, if it shows up, means that you have COVID or you're pregnant. One of the two things, not really sure. Uh, as I was watching this, my wife actually came down. She goes, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like, uh, we're, we're definitely not having another child. And uh, so what do you think, man? Every, I thought it was great because for me, it was, uh, uh, it, it made me relax because I did not have COVID. And so for me, it was like, just, okay, I had a science infection, got the antibiotics, but I didn't have COVID. It made me relax and helped us get back to work and do all those things. But if I didn't have it, then you're constantly worried about it and you have to stay out. And so uh, what do you think? Every school should have these tests available. Yeah, bro. I'm, I'm going with reality. I think it's great. I think our school division, we're really lucky. We do have tests available. I think it takes away so much anxiety. It takes away so much um, of the unknown. Um, I've known that uh, at our school, we've uh, gone to use it a couple of times and it's come up trumps, man. It's either told us we have it or we don't have it. And it helps us game plan, helps us make great decisions and keeps everybody safe. So I'm all for it. I'm all for the reality that it works. And you know what? We, we're getting quicker with it. Now, my experience has been horrible. You, you look, I'm all about getting it, but I'm not all about getting it stuck up my nose the way it does into my brain. And I feel like it's on the other end of my brain. I do not cope well with anything being stuck in my nose and ears and things like that. But um, no, I think it's a, I think it's a great tool. It's a, a tool in the toolbox that I think is going nowhere. I think if anything, we'll just be getting quicker, faster and more technologically advanced at being able to do these things. Pretty funny that it felt like a pregnancy test for you. Um, but but hey, man, I think uh, it's all about keeping each other safe and being able to make quick and um, quick decisions really quick in terms of getting people yeah. in and out of the building. Yeah. And think about this too. Information's power. We always say that knowing what we're dealing with is half the battle. So just this idea that, you know, um, and for so long, it's just like the unknown, I think is what's so scary about COVID is, you know, do you have it? Do they have it? We don't know. Someone right next to us could have it. The kids could have it. Anybody could have it. It's like this, 
it's a scary monster that's been out there. Um, but knowing for sure in, in a quick manner who has what so that you can make logical decisions for quarantining or logical decisions for um, staying home or staying, you know, whatever, getting getting healthy. I think that's so important. And especially right now, we got flu season upon us, you know, and trying to distinguish between is it flu, is it COVID, you know, that's going to, that's definitely going to raise the levels of awareness and anxiety for a lot of people. So whatever we can do to make it easy on all, that's, uh, I'm all for. So straight up reality there, bro. All right, topic two, bro. Dress code, should it stay general? Man, this is like, the age old discussion, the end of time, you and I probably discuss this once a week for the last 10 years. That's how, that's how crazy this thing is, right? Like trying to stay, uh, trying to stay innovative, trying to stay with the times, trying to stay cool and hip, but at the same time, recognize we're school and, you know, we have, should have some sort of dress standards, things like that. What it should look like? What should it sound like? Is it a reality? Is it a myth that dress code should stay general? I know, I've gone back and forth on this for years. I've, I've tried tight. I've tried loose. I've even tried tight and loose with my staff. I thought I'd be the Google of dress code and that ended up being a fiasco. <laughs> it's funny how you try to give up too much, too much options and it just gets looser, way too loose. And you got to draw it back, but um, get, let, let you jump in here, Andy. You know, I, I'm going to start with this whole piece about staff. Cause I think that's a good uh, example of how complicated it is because you know, you know, both of us are pretty uh, liberal with what our staff wear. We feel like as long as staff are comfortable, you know, the work they do is, you know, the grind and they want to make sure that they're comfortable doing it. But yeah, um, and, and really because people can wear fancy clothes very sloppily and unprofessional and people can wear what you would consider more casual clothes like jeans, very professional looking. So I think the the item itself honestly, is probably less as important as how you wear that item. And what's hard for kids, especially for, you know, when we work with our middle school kids is that they're growing so fast, their bodies are changing so fast. And, you know, what's appropriate for a second grader may not be appropriate for an eighth grader, you know, and um, it's hard because some, some people are tall, some people are short, some people are different body figures. And that has a huge effect on how those clothes fit and how you wear. So, you know, I almost wonder if it's more just like we do with a lot of things, this is something that we have to work with our, our students more to help them understand what is appropriate. What does that even mean? Like an appropriate for what setting? Because what you can wear on a sports field is different than what you can wear in school. That's different than where, you know, different jobs have different dress codes. Basically, if you're wearing a, if you're in a construction site, that's a different thing than if you're in a bank, you know, as a worker. And um, and there's different expectations those bosses have. So understanding the sort of the game for the whole thing, I think, is probably more important than the actual item itself. Yeah, that too. And also, what battle do you want to have with the kids and adults? Uh, I often go, we've spent a lot of time thinking about what battle do we want to have? Like, we used to have the battle about Crocs and putting them in sports mode. I mean, who the heck thought about Crocs being in sport mode with the straps down the back of the heel? And whether that mattered if it was on the heel or above the heel? And what did that sound like? And, and so we stopped having that battle. And all of a sudden, it changed relationships, it changed engagement, it changed interactions with teachers and staff. But also it's kind of like a lot of people will be like, well, kids wear pajamas to school. Well, when you really read a lot of the dress codes out there, they just say long pants, right? Long, appropriate pants. They don't say they don't identify it by the actual piece of garment that it is. I th I'm dead against anything that's offensive. I'm dead against anything right. that uh, would symbolize anything offensive and be, and that kind of nature. We can't, that's not appropriate. I think that's a completely different discussion. That's right. 
not part of staying general. It's more about which battles are we fighting? Like right now, I like our, I like our stance with anything. You can wear anything above the ears. You know, it's taken away so many, so many arguments with students on what they're wearing with their headgear and things like that. We, we say hoods down so we can at least see if you got your earbuds in or, in or out that you're engaged. We don't worry about hats. We thought that uh, kids wearing hats uh, would get lots of them. We really don't have very many at all wearing them. Um, in terms of, of that, you know, it's been a success. Well, and it's less. Yeah. And and just there's so much, you know, discussion on bias when it comes to creating dress codes, because typically whoever creates a dress code has that cultural norm and that background experience that they have that they prefer, which then is there's a lot of controlling compliance that goes with dress code, which isn't fair for many of our cultures that have different expectations and norms than what we have. And so I think that's where you have to really get the input of our community and our students and our parents and making sure that these things are truly meaningful and relevant and what they think is appropriate as well. Cause appropriate is this, like, I think appropriate should be what a four letter word. Anymore, that's what I'm know? saying. Like appropriate is such a, you know, you know, yeah. it's not appropriate, you know, that's just a, con- a way to control people. And one point you made that I think we can't remove is the fact that kids dressing up as a way for them to amplify their voice expression to express themselves. And we shouldn't be doing anything that takes away the opportunity for kids to amplify their voice or express themselves as an individual. All right, topic number three. So this one, sports should emphasize sportsmanship more. And this one I'm throwing out there. Uh, I We watched this video, I don't know if you've seen out there, of these kids that were these, these uh, there was a high school basketball game and they were lining up to do a handshake after the game. And then before you know it, one of these kids just clocks just right, just punches this other kid right in the face. Uh, I mean, probably as hard as he could. And, uh, and it got like a viral thing that happened out of it. First of all, what frustrates me about that is the viral component of it. I don't think people realize, like, I know it's a story. So people like sharing these stories, but you're making it worse for the victim of the situation because now not only did the victim get hit, now the victim has to see this online constantly for people. And I think that's a that's a whole nother element of this thing that we could probably get into it at another time. But what really caught me was this fact that we assume that sports will automatically teach sportsmanship. And we assume things like if you line up to do handshakes, that in itself will teach people that we should be positive after games and if you win or lose. But the reality is not true, I think. The reality is that unless you explicitly teach them why we do handshakes, why we uh, sort of like let it stay on the field, and then once we're off the field, we just, you know, kind of move on and be, um, you know, whatever you call it, like uh, positive with each other, even if you lost. Um, But unless you really teach kids how to do that, they're not going to do that. They're going to do what this kid did. He's mad because of whatever happened on the field, on the court, and he's going to take it on the other team. And I feel like that's an example of what's happening in society right now as well. So what do you think? Sports should emphasize sportsmanship more. Well, I think we're living in an age where we've monetized sports so much. Uh, We've amplified sport through television, uh, through sponsorship, through so many of our kids' role models, uh, sometimes overpaid athletes that, are not necessarily always the best role model too, man. There's That's a good point. Model roles out there as well. But uh, I'm a competitive guy. I'm a sports guy. I'm all, I'm all about winning. I think there's a time and place for our kids to learn how to win and lose. I'm all about sportsmanship. I think we have to explicitly teach it. Um, I think we have to explicitly understand it. Quite frankly, I think often the adults are the worst when it comes to sportsmanship. Like sometimes the 
as parents, as, as educators, we're not always the best example. And we probably have to really think about what we look like and sound like for kids when it comes to sportsmanship. But at the end of the day, you know, like I saw it today when I watched the Formula One, um, you had Hamilton and Max come down to the last lap of an entire season. Guy comes from behind uh, some rule changes. They end up uh, losing and Hamilton comes up and he shows great sportsmanship in the highest peak of competition showed great sportsmanship. Um, but, you know, I think this is something that's been going on a long time, but I think it's getting harder and harder because so many kids think they're in the 1% that they're going to be the next NBA legend, NFL legend, baseball yeah. legend. And we're, yeah, we're like entitled, right? So a lot of us, you know, a lot of these kids are just so entitled that, you know, their, their version, their winning matters more than anybody else, you know? And so shout out to all those coaches out there that are trying to really make a difference and that they are, they are. And even if you don't feel like you're, if you're a coach listening, if you don't feel like you're making this, you are making really a difference are. because you're able to connect with kids differently yep. than teachers can, than parents yep. can, and they'll listen to you in ways they won't listen to other people. And, you know, you may not see that difference now in your life. But 10 years, five years, one year, 20 years from now, those kids are going to realize that gift you gave them and teach them how to work with others, uh, especially through something as competitive as sports. Sports saved me, man. It saved my life. I will tell you, it taught me some of the best skills that I have today, including winning and losing, persevering, showing grit, determination, coming back. Um, sports are some of the greatest opportunities that our kids have in life to be able to learn some of life's real Listen. Yeah. And no, I was going to say, and, and, you know, we're a little bit long on this topic, but, you know, I actually think both of us believe in competition. There's this whole push that people think competition is bad for kids. It leads to bad things. It's, it says that one person should be over another. And that's, you know, like that element's sort of true. But what you learn from winning and losing is so important in real life because life is full of winning and losing. And life is full of understanding that even if you lose, you can win. And even if you win, you can lose. Being a sore loser and a sore winner are things to work through. But you don't get those experiences unless you actually have the experiences, right? So Right. But no place for violence, though, bro. No place no. for violence. Nope. All right, bro. Topic number four. Let's hit it. Salary increases will help teachers stay in the field. You know what, bro? Salary increases for educators is long overdue, just like our policemen, our firemen, and our nurses, and any government employee, really. But for teachers, long overdue, man. We put in a lot of hours, a lot of work. I wish teachers could get paid two, three times as much. But now we're competing with the fact that we have this image, this idea out there about workload and hours put in. And you know what? I think sometimes it's a myth that uh, teachers going to want to hang around for all, all the money in the world. Right. Like I think, you know, I think that people want to be a part of movement. They want to be a part of something special. They want to have a reason to be at work each and every day. I think we have the greatest opportunity every day when we impact kids and impact communities. But teachers should 100 percent get more. But I'm not sure, man. We have we have a crisis in education right now, an identity crisis. Um, it's not um, we're not doing well in recruiting uh, new people to the industry. Uh, there's teacher shortages everywhere. And salaries may only be one part of the solution to solving this problem. Yeah, and I totally agree. There, there's so much more going on. But I, I'm going to double down on this one. I think they will if it's big enough, frankly. I think these, yeah. piddly, these piddly raises that teachers have gotten over the years are like slaps in the faces of, of the work that they're really doing. And if, yep. and if we all think as a society that the work teachers do is worth it, then pay them, show them, shut up, you know, put up or shut up. I think it's time for that in education. That's why so many people are leaving. I think part of it is the money at some point, you know, it is like, 
you know what? It just shows you the value. And I think the value is what people really respond to. And in this case, it's like, I, I, I think it's a myth that salary increases will help in any way whatsoever, unless they're large enough salary right. increases to really make a true difference. Because we have so many teachers and administrators that are working two and three jobs. And you shouldn't have to do right. that if the job is that well. You don't see right. that in other fields where, right. I, and I know there's plenty of other fields where people don't make money, but at the same time, the, the expectation of the job, the, the education level, all of those things definitely warrant a huge increases right now. I think it's really sad too when our teachers cannot afford to even live in their own communities in which they serve. It's getting so expensive. Uh, the cost of living has gone up. Salaries have not matched the cost of living increases, inflation increases, things like that. And it's time to do something about it. You know, there's so much money in education right now. Let's start giving it to the most important resource there is, the people. It's about yeah. the people. And if you want the best, you got to pay for the best. Right. You get I mean, what you get. You get yeah. what you get. You know, you look at these education systems around the world. They take care of their educators. They take care of their teachers. Think about that a minute. What if we did the same, maybe? That's right. All right, fun topics. Quick hit. Number one, myth or reality. Do you put a Christmas tree up right after Thanksgiving? That That's when it should go up, like right away, right away. Myth or reality. I'm going with... Uh, I'm going with reality because there's a lot of work that you have to do for Christmas and the holidays, whatever you celebrate. Um, and the faster you put that up, the better, because otherwise it's like before you know it, it's here. The holidays here. And it's like we put all this work into all these holiday decorations for one month. You know, it's like really they should like we should start almost earlier having these decorations up for the amount of work we do. What do you think? Uh, you know, well, man, I keep coming back to how commercialized some of this stuff is, man. I I think celebrating the holidays is about coming together. It's about fellowship. It's about enjoying friends and family. That being said, man, we throw ours up the day after we get right into it. So all the hard work can at least be enjoyed because I, we spend hours putting it all together. So uh, I would say this, uh, get into it straight away so you can enjoy it for as long as you can. Yeah, but I, mean, I think you made a good point, man. It's not even about the commercial decorations as much as we think it's important. And think about the stress that that really adds to families, that constant adding of stuff during such a really busy time. All right, bro. Quick hit. Number two is Die Hard, a Christmas movie. Is it a movie for the holidays? You know, we all watch holiday movies at this time. Which one are you watching? Which is your favorite? We're home alone. That's definitely our go-to. But I'm going to talk about a little more of the Die Hard. 100% a Christmas holiday movie. When you got Christmas trees up in the movie and it's set in that time, it 100% is. Agree, 100%. It's a Christmas movie. I think it is officially a Christmas movie for anyone out there. I think there's plenty of research that shows. There's probably some official list out there to say it. But yeah, there's so much. And like that is a tricky thing. What makes a Christmas movie versus not like a holiday movie? But this one has all of it. It has the Christmas music. It has plenty of references. It has it, it has it all. And even though it's in set in L.A., it's still even even in uh, California, it's still, you know, they celebrate Christmas there, too. So, you know, it's uh, and it's awesome movie. It still stands up the test of time. We watch it every year for Christmas. All right, folks. Well, well let me clarify. The kids don't watch it. It's my brothers, you know, and my my, my argue with my wife on this one. Christine, I don't think she thinks it's a Christmas movie, but it's definitely a Christmas movie. There you go, bro. That That's another wrap. It's great to be back. It's great to drop another show. Look, it's holiday season right now. Andy and I want to wish you all the very best during this time. Everybody's got about a week left of school. 
We're wishing you the best for that week. As always, hit us up. Let us know what you'd like to hear. If there's a topic, let us know. Tweet, hit, you know it. All right, see you.